0: Creativity can be expressed through, our, through art, you know, naturally, or through business, through relationships, through our
1: interests. Creativity means to me thinking outside of the way we normally see through our two eyes. Creativity is uh, expression. A, a devotion to a craft and to continually test yourself and progress at it.
0: Creativity means the expression of an idea. I think this world is, and relationships are built on the ability for people to share those passions and creativity with each other.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Killer Creatives.
0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Killer Creatives. Today, we're sitting down with Paul Galonco, a Dallas-Fort Worth-based photographer and videographer, and we're going to discuss storytelling adaptability and the future of photography enjoy paul thank you for being here with us today it's great to be here um obviously we are a coffee company so um let's start there a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and creative types use coffee to kind of fuel their creativity or fuel their work uh, is coffee a part of your life
1: oh absolutely
0: what uh what led you to get interested in coffee do you have a favorite coffee beverage
1: Sure. Um, Favorite coffee beverages are going to be the flat white cappuccino. Just kind of depends on the place. Um, It wasn't until I came here to communion where I started getting fed like oat milk lattes and vanilla lattes and mochas. And then the baristas here have gotten me addicted to some of those sweeter drinks. But anywhere else, I'm getting a cappuccino most likely.
0: Um, is there a component of the sweeter drinks, like, executed at a higher level that drew you to them in a way that hadn't previously at, at some more mainstream venues, or were you just not exposed to them previously? Yeah, no, I think uh, at other places it was just too sweet, and so here is just a perfect
1: balance of, of that sweetness, but also paired well with the coffee.
0: You are, You're drinking tea right now.
1: I am. It just turned cold, and... I didn't need a caffeine rush, so I'm sipping on some uh, some
0: fall flavors. Awesome. What does creativity mean to you?
1: Uh, creativity means to me thinking outside of the way we normally see through our two eyes. So, are, is there a perspective? Is there a way? Is there a story? Is there something that is from a different perspective?
0: All right. Uh, so, to start, uh, can you give our listeners uh, a little bit of your personal biography?
1: Sure. I grew up here in Texas. I was born in El Paso, grew up in Arlington, went to A&M and studied um, management of information systems. And it wasn't until my senior year of college where a friend of mine asked me to help her with her marketing project for this organization she was with. And uh, I looked at her and I said, sure, but why me? And she looked at me and goes, oh, it's because you're really creative. And that was literally the first time I ever saw myself as anything but a computer nerd interesting yeah and so um i was doing that and i through college I, I worked at a company called party pics which went to all the fraternity sorority parties and took pictures um i, I still get some,
0: some interesting stories from that oh yes <laughs> oh yes
1: <laughs> i still actually get noticed as party Picks paul
0: oh really <laughs> yes
1: um which is hilarious
0: for a number of reasons any uh, any any crazy story from that come come to mind
1: um, I mean, one of them, I remember there was one particular frat that would, there was a guy that was, every time I would show up, he'd go, dude, get a picture of me throwing up. And he would get <laughs> hammered. And he's like, watch this? And this would just puke. <laughs> I was like, you got it, man. <laughs> he was living his best life. Um, but yeah, so I, that's when I started picking up a camera and then um, was doing that kind of on the side. I worked for a software company right out of college and... Quit my job looking to move overseas to to find out what life was like working grassroots in the NGO sector. Um, and then the month before I was supposed to leave, everything kind of fell apart with my plans. I had quit my job and didn't resign my lease to my apartment. So I was kind of jobless and homeless for <laughs> about four months. And, oh, yeah, and that was right the month before uh, the economy collapsed. It was, Perfect so, timing. Yeah. And so the <laughs> economy collapsed. And I was just like well, I'm not going to get a corporate job now, so what do I know how to do? And it was photography, and so I started doing that and worked uh, weddings and portraiture, like a lot of people start off doing for two years. And in Dallas, that's like the moneymaker. You can make easily six figures doing that, and I was going broke. Hmm. Um, part of that was just my inexperience in my youth, uh, and then part of it was just I didn't, I just didn't love it. And then I started moving more into humanitarian photography, and when I started doing that, Things just really started clicking. People saw the, the passion behind what I was doing and uh, picking me up for various uh, various jobs. And then more recently, I've moved more into the commercial sector and doing architecture, interiors, and image libraries, custom image libraries.
0: Has your passion been able to uh, make that transition with you going into, into the more commercial arena?
1: Yeah, that's honestly been, it was difficult at first because uh, it was pretty hard pivot. Uh, going, I mean, I traveled. It was probably thirty countries before I was the age of thirty. Oh wow! Yeah, and so I was. I was every quarter I was going somewhere, um, and now it's been. I, it's been several years since I would traveled f- internationally for photography, um, and there's definitely the itch to go travel. But I think the idea of telling stories is still kind of the thread that that ties it all together telling the story of a commercial real estate property uh, and why is that valuable to an investor or to a buyer or to a leaser, Um, or telling the story of a company's ethos through a custom image library. Those kinds of things, that that thread of telling story is still there. And so I still get to engage in some
0: of that. Interesting. What about uh, the initial uh, transition from you know, software into a more creative endeavor, Uh, aside from what you just mentioned about, you know, you're, you're needing to find your niche for your passion. Was, Was it hard to kind of readjust your way of thinking for that?
1: Um, I was only in software for two years and, uh, working at that company, there's, there's a two sides of my brain most everybody's brain but uh there's the really creative side which is honestly the muscle that i'm still learning to have to exercise and to develop but then there's a really structured side so the structured side still stays with me and it's something that i still am very it's very easy for me to move into that i love excel spreadsheets i was working with a a friend of mine for a little bit on a production company and I would throw together these spreadsheets for client proposals and he was just always amazed at how I could just change a couple numbers and everything else in the spreadsheet changed. And so that part was easy and it honestly benefited me to be able to bring that along with me.
0: Yeah, you think it helps you? I I know some creative people that that struggle with the business operation side Mm -hmm. of things. You think that was an advantage for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's something that I'm still super, uh, super passionate about now and helping other creatives and other entrepreneurs recognize that if you don't have a viable business, you're not going to make it as a creative. Yeah.
0: Um, you do video as well. How did, uh, that evolve from initially photography?
1: Um, yeah, that was on a, a friend of mine that started a nonprofit in Zambia and she had a photographer coming on the trip that was donating his time. And so she asked me if, I could do video, and I had a camera that that could do both. And so I said, "Sure," and uh, I figured it out from there. And the idea of storytelling, um, it's it's a natural move. And now a lot of people um, are who are doing photography are also having to do videography as well, just because the demand's there.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of in 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 ways kind of fell into the photography and videography kind of thing. Did you yeah. have any sort of formal training. I mean, looking at your work, uh, I think you're very good at what you do. Thank so you. how did you progress within your craft?
1: Yeah, I think it was a lot to do with the community I was involved in. Um, there was a group of us who were all starting off in wedding photography at the same time. Um, and we were all just kind of figuring out life as we went and, and all of us were growing and we would come together a lot. We were all friends and, Um, it's fun now to see where everybody is um in their careers uh but having that community uh, really helped to um sharpen my eye um and knowledge of of the skill set that's needed
0: is your experience uh with a group like you've just talked about um unique or is that something typical like um something i really like about working in the coffee industry is that for the most part it's not incredibly proprietary and a lot of times people um are excited to share their knowledge and their experience and help Mm. other people grow is is that similar uh in your industry?
1: It can be when probably back in two thousand eleven, twenty twelve, um there was a a co working space, it was one of the first ones in Dallas that opened up called Weld Spaces and it was run by a guy named Austin Mann. He's a friend of mine and Um, he called around a a bunch of other photographers in the area and said, Hey, what what would you think if we just built a space where all of us could work out of it together? And all of us had been dreaming of that in one form or fashion, um, for a few years and finally it happened. And so it was a a space where creatives of all sorts could come and collaborate and talk ideas with each other. And it it was fantastic because we could just, we worked with each other. It was collaboration, not competition, but there were lots of people who said, no, I'm not going to come over there and let all these other greedy photographers steal my clients.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's still a mentality here, and so you'll see kind of the the whole range of like, no, my my secrets are my secrets, and then you'll see a bunch of people who are saying, no, I'll I'll share everything I know, and you see, I think YouTube has really helped with a lot of that in as far as monetizing what you share, and so there's actually a financial incentive to being more open.
0: Sure. Uh so sometimes I'll see uh, a photographer and you know they've got just half a dozen cameras and a dozen lenses and um you know what what's the balance between equipment and and craft here
1: Yeah I uh actually almost sold some gear to a guy who's like oh yeah I just needed it as my third camera I was like you have three cameras like what <laughs> what are you doing um And honestly, I don't know what he was doing to necessitate that. I think there's a real easy temptation in photography to be gearheads, to, like, want all the latest stuff and all the cool stuff. Um, And I think if you're making enough that necessitates that, then great. But I say, like, if you're able to get the job done, there are better uses for your money. Um, And so... Will will that piece of equipment, that piece of gear further my career, further my business? Will it make me money? Or is it going to make my life significantly easier? That's the harder question that I have to ask myself now. There's a lot of stuff I want, but there's a lot of stuff you can rent or you can borrow. They're really easy nowadays with a lot of the online shops. And so it's a matter of what is the cost benefit?
0: yeah that makes sense and you know I've thought before when kind of considering this and you know I know nothing about uh photography really um but you know I've seen pictures from 30 years ago 50 Mm -hmm. years ago that were incredible pictures yeah you, you know and they didn't have half of what we've got today
1: yeah a friend of mine he's got his his master's in fine arts I think it was fine arts but he's got a master's in photography um and the one thing that I wish I had that I didn't get from learning and teaching myself was the objective standards for what is good. Mm -hmm. Like there are objective ways of composition of color, of use of light that can dictate what is good. And those kinds of photos are the ones that are lasting through the years versus I can just throw a, an Instagram filter on it and everyone likes it. Yeah.
0: Um, how has changing technology led, uh, led you to evolve in your trade, whether that is uh, software or, you know, cameras and lenses? Mm-hmm. That, I mean,
1: that goes back even to the idea of, of what gear do you have? Um, you know, before a two megapixel camera was cutting edge and now I've got better than that in my pocket. <laughs> um, and so technology is always going to change. And I think wanting to stay up to the to the latest and greatest is kind of a, a fool's chase because there are some things that last and you need to stick with what lasts if you want to stay in the business for the long haul. I will say, though, that with the increasing amount of technology that you can put in your pocket has definitely changed the game for photographers because now everyone has a great camera in their pockets. Yeah. And so it, it begs the question, what is, a photographer, what is a professional photographer good for? And it's that we've trained our eyes to see things differently. It's that we've hopefully learned how to do it well, how to do the editing, how to do post-production, have a concept and be able to ex- execute on the concept. Um, for me personally, I just always have to take an evaluation of like, what is my skill set? and how am I utilizing my, my greatest strengths outside of being able to push a button on a camera? How am I utilizing that to help my clients?
0: Yeah. Well, kind of going back, you know, you said um, everybody's got a, a decent camera in, in their pocket now. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there's platforms like uh, Instagram and in, in a way it seems like, especially when it first came out, it, it seemed like everybody thinks they're a photographer now. So yes. um, how has that changed the industry?
1: um it i wouldn't say fractured it definitely has not fractured it but i think it's introduced a new kind of style of photography that is the instagram photo um and i mean even in architecture that i've been uh, listening to some various design podcasts and one of them was talking about how architects are building in an instagram wall in yeah. their in their public spaces um and so with photographers you know they're what you consume is what you put out. And so if all of your, if all your consumption is Instagram photos and what are, what are influencers doing, then that's what your style is going to tend towards. Um, And so, you know, when I started out, I was just looking at a lot of national geographic and um, news and journalism, photojournalism. And so that's what my style looked like. And now that I'm doing a lot more architecture, a lot more, a lot of my photography is starting to change to being more, Um, Straight lines, um, open spaces, things like that. So social media has opened up a very particular niche or niche, depending on how you want to pronounce that, (laughs) (laughs) Um, of photography. And I think it's also made the consumption of photography much more broad. Um, And so that also goes to both ways. You know, it can either make everyone feel like they can be their own photographer and then it also kind of elevate some who are doing it really well
0: sure um i think another aspect of that is that consumers in general are more media savvy now Mm -hmm. um yeah there are a lot of influencers on some of these platforms there's a lot more uh you know i think just grassroots competition stemming from people trying to get off of these platforms and into the industry like you are so in that kind of context how how do you stand apart
1: um I believe in the uh, Imago Dei. Are you familiar with that term? I'm not. Imago Dei means that we're made in the image of God and that each of us carries a, a particular piece of who God is that makes us unique, that helps us show God to other people. So we all each have a unique piece of that puzzle. And so I think everybody shouldn't, nobody should be trying to be somebody else, yeah. meaning we should be us. You should be you, I should be me. And because of that, that means I have something very particularly unique about me that can bring to market. So what is what are those things that I'm bringing to market that are outside of just being a photographer? Mm-hmm. Um, for me in particular, I just always notice that I've got great relationships and that I am for you 100%. And I will do whatever I can to make it work for you. Sometimes my wife does not appreciate this as much that <laughs> I, it, it, she doesn't want me to be walked over. Mm-hmm. And I'm very aware of when I'm giving of myself more than is necessary, Mm -hmm. but I'm still choosing to do that. Um, And so those are like, that's an aspect about me, like that I'm always coming to the table with that is an intangible Mm -hmm. that I can't put numbers on, but I'm always going to bring it um, to any kind of prospective client because they need to know like, this is what you're getting. You're not just getting somebody that can click a button because anyone can do that, but you're also getting somebody who's going to be for you and who's going to do whatever I can to tell your story well
0: like that perspective. Um, Have you always had like an entrepreneurial itch before you went out and started your own company or um, how did that develop? Yeah, I
1: didn't think I did until I looked back at my life. And I remember I used to sell, you know how you can fold paper into little rings? Mm Mm-hmm. I used to just sell that in my elementary school until <laughs> my teachers caught me doing it and made me stop. <laughs> and in fact, there were like a couple different- You don't have a permit for that. Yeah. Somebody found a note I was passing to a friend of mine talking about a girl and he, <laughs> it was like a questionnaire or something. And the principal called me and said, like, are you selling this for a service? I was like, no. So I was like, looking back now, I'm like, oh, I guess I kind of did have that entrepreneurial spirit. And my mom definitely did. Um, and so, yeah, I've always just wanted to kind of go my own way um and to carve my own path I, I wouldn't say i'm always been contrarian but if i see something that could be better i'd rather do it myself than listen to the the tried and true path
0: sure what are uh, what are some of the challenges of uh managing your own business that way
1: uh there's a perceived stability in the corporate traditional path mm-hmm. the 401k's retirements the corporate ladder the clear career path i mean i'm walking through that right now we just bought a house and the debate of congratulations thank you thank you there's this a second home so we purchased the first one sold it and now we're moving on to the second one And there was just a lot of question marks about will we be making enough money you know six months a year two years three years you know those those kinds of longer term questions like how am i going to be able to keep continue to provide for my family sure um that when there isn't a clear path forward. Now, for me, like, that's easy. I'm, I'm fine walking into the darkness and taking that next step blindly. Um, kind of blindly. <laughs> my wife isn't as comfortable with that. Yeah. And so it's definitely been a, a wrestle between us. But, honestly, I mean, I, I look at my kids and think I wanted to give them the best. And mm-hmm. so not having that perceived stability is difficult.
0: Yeah. How is that uh, facilitated personal growth like outside of just your work
1: um there's a lot of walking by faith not by sight and so spiritually speaking it's really driven um a um a confidence and a uh dependency on um on the lord and um a gratitude like every time i get a check it's yeah no. thank you like this was a provision and they're honestly and i don't mean to be preachy here I just this has just been my experiences like there have been times when i especially starting out when i went broke like i had like teen i was in the teens in my bank account and i remember just praying i was like god like if this is what i'm supposed to do then i i need some help because i don't know and then i remember very distinctly as i said amen the phone would ring or I would get notified. Oh, sorry, your checkout lost. Here it is. Like just randomly mm-hmm. money would just show up. And there was this awe that, that came of that and going, Hey, like there is, there's provision. And so just on the personal side, outside of photography, like that's really, really grown my faith.
0: Awesome. Um, so you're not part of an agency. You have worked alongside people that are parts of agencies before. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, how is it different, uh, create creatively um, than what you do?
1: Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the agency. So I've worked with anyone from, you know, small little um, boutique agencies to, you know, the Richards Group, um, which is large, you know, national mm-hmm. agency. Um, the larger they are, the less creative freedom you have. The smaller they are, the more they trust you. Um, and it's really fun. I, I like working with the smaller groups that where I get a little bit more input. With some of the larger organizations, that's just a lot of demand. Like, hi, I need this right now, and then you you turn over this proposal to them within twenty four hours, and then you wait for two weeks, and then find out later that it got canceled. <laughs> and you're like, great, thanks for the hurry up and wait, and then yeah, yeah, nothing.
0: Interesting. Um, h- how do you stay productive? Is that ever a challenge for you uh, running your own? show it can
1: be for sure um that's part of where that that structured organizational part of my brain really helps if I can create structures for myself then that gives me the the framework that I can operate in and honestly sometimes you just need a break and so just to embrace the lulls and recognize that you're not being as productive I think we have a really high value on productivity Mm -hmm. um, in the western culture sure um and I think it's a little bit to our detriment so I'm really trying to find what's the right balance there
0: Uh, How do you stay up up to date with uh, how things are changing within your industry and how do you continue learning? Uh,
1: A lot of it has to do with my client work. So uh, some clients just request something that's a little bit more trendy, which I am not a very much of a trendy person. Um, But, you know, I'm always just reading, seeing what what is the latest and greatest, what's out there. I'm not a tech head necessarily, even though I can be. Um, So I don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of the newest cameras. But um, I'm trying to listen to my clients to figure out what are their needs. You know, when 4K is big right now and everyone's trying to move to, to me in 4K, most of my clients don't need 4K. And so I can film in 4K, uh, but it's not necessarily something that I'm drooling over to get the next big camera that does amazing 4K because it's just really not part of my demand right now.
0: Interesting. Uh, What's the biggest challenge of working with clients when they have a creative idea in mind and balancing that with your experience and expertise and your creative vision?
1: Sure. I think educating the client is always going to be one of the biggest parts of being a professional. Um, I think a lot of clients have great visions and great ideas, and sometimes their budgets don't necessarily meet their (laughs) appetites. Yeah. I think some people have creative ideas, but they're stuck ten years old, and so you're trying to tell them, hey, like, if we do it like that, it will date you, and it will it'll put you in this little box sure. that everyone has already has already walked past, and so it's just trying to help them understand some of those things. Um, yeah, and then obviously educating people on what things cost. You know, I'm, I'm working with a client right now who. That we started off with a budget, and then they added more things. I said, "Okay, this is what it's going to cost to get those extra things." And you know, they're kind of getting a little blown away, <laughs> and just trying to help them understand what what things are. And at the same time, going, I recognize fiscally, you have budgets. That's okay. Like, what can we do to work within those constraints? And as a photographer, like it's good to work within constraints. And as an entrepreneur, it's good to work because you everyone has them, and you need to be creative. And how do you operate within those in those boundaries?
0: Do you think that those boundaries? push you to be more creative sometimes absolutely
1: um
0: i was trying to think of one of those
1: old adages and it's i'm just blanking on it but yes (laughs) like when you don't have when you don't have the all the means to have everything that you want you have to learn to to improvise and to to be flexible
0: yeah sure Uh, you talked earlier about how much relationships with your clients matter to you. Do you think your talent for building relationships allows you to, um, execute the education and, uh, and making people realize, you know, why this needs to be this way, why this costs this much? Does, does that help you in that regard? It should.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think there, there's that people pleaser side of me that doesn't want to, or that gets nervous about doing those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I try it as best as I can, as much as I can. Thankfully, a lot of my clients are generally understanding. So I'm having to do less education for them. Um, I could probably be a much better educator as far as that goes on, on initial contact with any new clients.
0: Mm. Uh, you mentioned earlier, um, being passionate about storytelling and, and that being a driving factor in what you do. And so, you know, storytelling from like a verbal tradition historically is is a long format art so how do you condense that kind of uh, philosophy into a video clip or just even into a single image
1: sure well I think um yes I I do believe storytelling is a longer form Um, and so I think when you try to assign one image as a story it doesn't that doesn't make sense and I think that's a, a pretty common thing within photography of going, Oh, this you're such a great storyteller, I saw that photo and it's like that mm-hmm. No, you just captured a moment and I could tell you any story about that.
0: Sure. I've actually
1: got into some arguments with friends of mine who are like, hate that it almost looks like poverty porn. Like where it's just like that that, that poor African child. Mm-hmm. But I know the story behind that photo and if I share that story, it's nowhere close to being poverty porn.
0: Yeah.
1: It's actually a story of hope, but It's just one image, so you don't really know the context. Um, And so I do believe that when it comes to storytelling, you need to figure out what the story is first, and then you figure out what's the means by which you tell that story. And so that's where I push a lot of my clients. When They're like, oh, we need this this kind of photo. Well, why do you need that photo? Because this is what we're trying to tell. Well, if you're trying to tell that story, here's a better way to tell that story. And it may or may not even include video. Mm -hmm. It could be just only graphical or it could be a podcast or it could be just a new website, you know, things like that. And so that's where I think um, we could all benefit with the idea of storytelling.
0: Awesome. So you, you talked about how you've transitioned into uh, commercial jobs. You've you mentioned working with architects. Mm-hmm. Specifically, what sort of projects are you doing right now?
1: Yeah, so working with a few different um a few different folks with all within the realm of, of commercial spaces. So, um, and industrial spaces. So big warehouses, trying to work with builders and developers and, um, property managers on getting their spaces leased out or sold wholesale or, um, a lot of in the commercial office space, um, just capturing for real estate for leasing, um, as well as for development showing befores and afters mm-hmm. of, uh, creating an entire district. Um, so it's been fun to, to have a fairly wide breadth, yeah. uh, of styles and, and building types and processes being in the process.
0: Nice. So whether it's within that context or, or outside of it, what are some, um, specific projects you've enjoyed working on the most, uh. One I'd be interested in hearing about is uh, you did work on a documentary in which you had the opportunity to film the band Corn. Yep. Uh, so can you talk about that and maybe any other you know standout projects?
1: Yeah. So well, the Corn thing was that was fun. Um, that that came out of working out of that um, creative co-working space called Weld. Um, a guy named Trey Hill was the um, director for the project, and he was telling the story about Brian Head Welch and kind of his journey through life and leaving the band and then coming back to it and his it was more about ended up being more about his relationship with his daughter it's called a uh, loud crazy love <clears throat> and uh when they were when had joined back up with the band uh they were kind of doing a reunion tour and they were coming through dallas on halloween and so it was just nuts it's fitting yes i mean it, it was amazing and um i got to run camera a little bit like one of the b cams or um one of this kind of the supplemental footage and got to run audio boom for some interviews got to be a pa i mean kind of all hands on deck for that one um but it was just a lot of fun he he just tapped into his network trade tapped into his network for other creatives that could help out and we all got to play a little piece of it so it was a lot of fun to to work on that um and get to meet Head um, as part of his reunion and, and just the highs of that, that show, which yeah. was amazing. Were you familiar with them much? <clears throat> I mean, I knew their music. Me? I wasn't necessarily a metalhead at all. There were the opening bands I didn't know at all. Mm. Um, but then actually getting to be behind the stage and uh, right behind the drum kit and off to the side, watching them perform definitely made me want to see more corn shows yeah. after that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, but it also, I mean, I love any of those behind the scenes stuff where you get to see behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, sure. It just makes things so much more interesting to me.
0: Very cool. What are some other uh, standout projects? Um, getting to do
1: uh, more image library stuff. So I think there's a move right now away from stock. Um, you know, and, and stock imagery is, you know, you go to Getty Images or Adobe Stock and you just buy an image, or sometimes it's even free. Um, and you get to use that on your website wherever you want but it's the same image that everybody else is using um, and so now companies are starting to want to have their own images their own library of images that are more tailored to them so that once moving into that space has been a lot of fun um, because everything's different and it's always always a different style but you get to help with that client's story and then you get to create an image library for them that is more specific to them so I've gotten to work with some hospital systems helping out build imagery for their um, unique or individual clinics um, getting to help do some for um, for small businesses uh, which is that's a lot of fun because small businesses definitely have a lot more personality and so you get to kind of showcase that yeah it's always fun to do that
0: Um, you've done some humanitarian work in the past I think you know the the rewarding aspect of that is fairly self-explanatory what's the most rewarding aspect of the work you're currently doing
1: um i think it, the most rewarding is getting to see it out in the open you yeah. know uh non world there's a smaller sector of people i think that see it mm-hmm. because there's just not as much of an audience necessarily but when you're doing more commercial work that's going out to people of all stripes and colors and yeah. so it's fun every time i get a, a little message that says hey check it out and i get to see a little brochure or get to see you know instagram posts and things like that kind of marketing my my work and it's just it's fun
0: yeah um what is something you would change about your industry
1: uh geez i don't even know where to start with that one i think there's a lot of different places that i'd like to see changed as far as What is the standard for success? It's not the amount of followers that you have. I think that's a really easy temptation. Mm -hmm. The necessity to have all the right gear. Um, And I think the biggest thing is really just the ethics behind photography.
0: What Um, do you mean by that?
1: Using a photo of someone to get a Pulitzer Prize or to get more fame and notoriety. And you're not necessarily even showing the real story behind what's actually happening but you just saw oh this is a good this is a good photo let me i bet you i can submit this to a bunch of magazines and get a lot of money for it mm-hmm. you know i think there's that drive just to get that right photo without realizing or understanding the story behind that photo
0: yeah can be ex- Exploited. explicated yeah. yeah yeah that makes sense uh so we are in uh 2020 obviously the uh big story of the year is uh the covid-19 uh, pandemic how has um, how have the events of this year and COVID, uh, caused you to pivot in your business and, and how has that led to, um, growth for you personally or professionally? So <laughs> I read a blog
1: at the beginning of the year when COVID first hit that said, this is the blizzard at the beginning of a two year winter with wow. no summers. And I thought, well, that sucks. And it's, <laughs> it's really held true. Like it's, I, I had my entire year's worth of work wiped clean. Wow. starting in March um, and so it, when you have six months worth of income wiped off it, it makes you reconsider what you're doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I definitely looked around to see is there is there another industry or another place where I could m- provide income for my family and there probably were but then business started coming back up in a different way um, yeah the, the purpose of that blog uh, was just to say that the game has fundamentally changed for everyone. Unless you're a Google um, or an Amazon, you have to do business differently. Why you do business is the same. Who you're working for, that's the same, but how you do it needs to change. And so I've had to pivot a lot. You know, I know I've relied a lot on my cost of doing business to figure out how am I gonna price projects? And what I used to price projects for, I'm not pricing the same way now. And especially at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, Anytime a client would ask, like, hey, what are your rates? I said, I know that your business is hurting, so I'm going to be flexible to whatever we can make work for both of us. And I knew what my bottom line was of what I needed to be bringing in, which changed because my budget's changed personally and professionally. It definitely got to dip down. and um, So I've had to really be much more flexible. And for a while, I swore off doing video just because I wanted to focus 100% on photography and everything has gone online, including, you know, Zoom calls and everything. And so a lot of my uh, work has actually been editing videos of that other people have shot hmm. that they need it to look a little bit more professional. So they send it over to me. And um, oddly enough, I've actually enjoyed it way more than I thought I would, hmm. more than I did.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I used to hate it. Is it challenging working within the context of what somebody else has created and you know navigating adding your value to that while maintaining you know what they've done sure
1: yeah um the temptation is there to say oh that looks like crap (laughs) (laughs) I don't want my name on that
0: people love hearing that yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think there's a false sense of ego in the creative sphere that everything I put out has to be amazing and has to look like me
0: Hmm.
1: when that's not necessarily the case what I'm what I'm delivering to my clients needs to look like them yeah and so I need to go by am I doing better than what their standards are as long as I'm able to deliver that then I'm still doing okay And, and sometimes it really does doesn't look great like I've taken iPhone videos that people have sent me and said hey can you Just clean this up. I'm like, I'm not sure where to start, but sure. (laughs) And then, obviously, that's where some of the education comes in. It's like, hey, it's not going to sound like this, or it's not going to look like this. As long as we understand what expectations are, then we're doing okay. And I think that's where a lot of it comes. I think COVID has changed the expectation of what things should look like, both in providing higher quality as well as providing lower standards. Like, a Zoom call isn't going to look amazing, but everyone expects it to be a Zoom call. So Mm -hmm. they're not expecting it to be... The latest, uh, you know, Hollywood film.
0: Sure. What about on the higher quality end of that that you just mentioned?
1: Um, yeah. So they're wanting. It's more of I where most people are expecting an iPhone video. Let me provide you with something that's a higher quality. You know, um, I just helped the Dallas Opera with a rebroadcast of Carmen, and mm. it was shot two years ago. So the technology is a little bit different, and yeah. some of the styling is a little bit different but i was able to provide them with something that was a better quality than their original film to pat to match up with theirs um and so it helps make them look good and clean and professional
0: yeah very cool where do you see the future of the photography videography marketing uh industries going right now in light of covid and just in light of you know where it would be going naturally
1: yeah, I think um, like I talked about before, I, I see more need for custom image libraries, custom imagery that's more tailored to the um, to your clients. Uh, I see a big draw as far as storytelling goes. Um, I, you know, there's a tons of uh, stuff that's getting put out right now that I at least maybe I've just been paying attention more about what is storytelling and how do you do good storytelling and how do you do keep it clean and get to this point um i think a lot of people are uh, really needing to have a story that they are part of that is inspiring and, and inviting people to, to take a part in that
0: yeah uh what are some of your professional goals moving forward
1: yeah so um i mean I'd love to keep growing my business back to what it was (laughs) pre-COVID. That's a big goal. Um, But there are a couple different arenas, uh, new spaces that I'm kind of moving into or or considering. Uh, One of them is I mentioned before like how much i operate more on the business technical side of things like mm-hmm. spreadsheets love helping people figure out what their cost of doing business is how to set up a business like being more on the business end to think through some of those things and coaching people through those so i've got a few clients um friends and and otherwise who i'm helping them kind of think through what's their story yeah and how to structure it so that they can continue to do this uh, as a career not just as a hobby yeah And then also working with uh, a few different folks on helping tell their story, again, with those custom image libraries, but not even just that. It's also, like, helping them develop a website and trying to help them tell their story better on an online presence Um, and really working through what is this story, who's your client, who's the hero of your story, um, and really getting to capture that really well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, that's our time for today. Uh, where can our listeners learn more about you and your business? Uh, any social media websites, anything you want to shout out? Yep. Uh, my website's
1: www.paulgoimages.com. And that's pretty much my presence all online. So Paul Go Images. Images
0: Paulgoimages.com. Awesome. Well, uh, Paul, thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, Tim. Appreciate you. Thank you everybody listening. This has been Killer Creatives. Peace.
1: Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Killer Creatives.